Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. The therapeutic disclosure. This is something that people usually end up having, whether it's unplanned or unexpected or it's formal or structured, but there's usually some emphasis on the truth coming out. My hope is to help you and your loved one be able to talk about these things in a structured, safe way. Because when somebody comes forward with the truth or gets caught, that's a disclosure, but usually it's really messy and it usually doesn't create a lot of healing. And so in this episode today, we're going to talk about what therapeutic disclosure looks like, why it's important, how to slow it down, how to structure it. And in fact, this episode is going to be a little bit different because I'm actually the guest on this episode. I was uh, interviewed by the Worth Group by Janine and Naomi, who invited me to come on their podcast and talk about therapeutic disclosure. And it was awesome. They're great hosts. I had a great discussion with them. And I think the information was so helpful and useful that we covered that I wanted to share it with my audience. And they were gracious enough to give me permission to share our interview on the Illuminate podcast. And so I'm thrilled to share this with you. I think it'll be really helpful for you. And I've broken this down into two episodes. So we'll do one this week and then one the following on this topic of therapeutic disclosure. So let's jump right into it, into the interview with Naomi and Janine from the Worth Group. Hello, and welcome to Healing with Worth. Today, we have a special episode for you. We have Jeff Stewart, who has given graciously of his time to come and talk with us a little bit on our podcast. And Jeff is an incredible human being. He's done a lot of incredible things, and he has a lot of great work out there. And I know that we've mentioned him several times in the podcast and referenced some of his work. And today you get to hear from him on our podcast. So we're really excited to have him here. We wanted to share a little bit about some of the things that he has and some of where he gets his expertise from. So he completed a master's degree in marriage and family therapy at Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama. And he also holds a bachelor degree from Brigham Young University in communication studies. He really focused in on working with couples, especially couples affected by pornography, addiction, affairs, and other betrayals, and eventually became affiliated with the Lifestar Network and moved to St. George. And in St. George, he opened up a private practice and started the Lifestar of St. George program. And then in 2009, he created the group practice Alliant Counseling and Education which is home to a team of highly trained therapists who are specialists in their chosen areas of expertise. He continues to seek advanced training in both pornography and sexual addiction treatment, as well as emotionally focused couples therapy. He really focuses on helping individuals and couples heal the patterns of attachment in their relationships and working through any betrayals that disrupt their lives. Some of his other accomplishments um, are that he is a co-author of the book, Love You, Hate the Porn, Healing a Relationship Damaged by Virtual Infidelity with Dr. Mark Chamberlain. He also recorded a six-part series, Strengthening Recovery Through Strengthening Marriage, Healing from Pornography Addiction with Dr. Kevin Skinner. And he was also a featured guest expert in the documentary, The Heart of the Matter. 
In addition to all of that, he created the Trust Building Bootcamp, which is a 12-week online course to help individuals repair broken trust from any type of serious betrayal. And so that would be a great resource for any spouses who are looking to rebuild trust. He has also co-authored many workbooks on sexual addiction, betrayal trauma, attachment, family systems, and therapeutic disclosure. He also writes a weekly column for the St. George News Online and the LDS Online magazine, Meridian Magazine. He frequents state and national conference on the subjects of marriage, sexual addiction, recovery, and other related topics. And he was the co-founder of the Southern Utah Conference put on by the Utah Coalition Against Pornography and has served as a conference chair four times. He also provides workshops, trainings, and other presentations for local groups and clergy. So he has so many things under his belt and so much training and expertise and We are so excited to hear from him and to be able to gain some understanding around the topic of therapeutic disclosures. And so without further ado, here is our episode with Jeff Stewart. Okay. So again, thank you so much, Jeff, for being willing to come on and to share your knowledge with our listeners We've had questions about therapeutic disclosures, and we're not professionals, so (laughs) we're like, let's get a professional in here, and let's throw as many questions as we can to get some answers clarified for the women who are in this process, And, and I'm actually one of them. I'm preparing for my own disclosure here coming up, so yeah, we'd love, we are just so happy that you're willing to be here and share your information with everybody, so thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, disclosure, it's it's just one of those things that, you know, nobody wants to sign up for, but not doing it's worse. And so it's just it's just a terrible dilemma. And I often tell a lot of the the women that I work with, I say, you know, I hate to tell you this, but this is going to basically be a scheduled trauma and we have to prepare you for it because it's it's just definitely something that's going to, you know, it's going to be painful before, during and after. It's just, it's a hard, hard thing. So, but necessary if you're going to move forward in that relationship, certainly in that relationship, but sometimes even if you decide that you need to do something different, there's just nothing like having the truth. It's almost like non-negotiable, right? So. Yeah. I felt like it was for me in my situation. And when I heard about it, I was kind of taken back. Like, this is a really hard thing for my husband to do. And the fact that he was willing to do that showed me that at least he was in a position to where he wanted to at least attempt to reconcile and and to make things better. And there was a lot of things that came out in that disclosure that really helped me put aside some of the questions that I had always had about our relationship. Really, really helpful. So, yeah, I love I love Janine that you you know you talk about just what it takes for your husband to do what it takes for a guy to go through and and open up about this stuff. You know, there's a lot of mixed feelings about that. There's a feeling of, I should have known all this before I married you all the way to, you know, in maybe a more sort of frustrated tone of like, don't expect me to throw you a parade for telling me things that I should have already known to, you know, I do appreciate your commitment to healing and revealing things to me so that basically, I'm not being controlled by lies and secrecy anymore. I mean, there's a whole range of responses women have to this. And 
in my view, they're all normal and fine and okay. And ultimately, a lot of those responses come down to how she's been treated in the relationship, their history, her own experiences with being manipulated and, and previous traumas. There's a lot of factors that go into how a woman might respond. So one woman might respond to her disclosure with like gratitude, or another woman would respond to it with just complete anger and frustration and just maybe not even want to go through with it because it just the whole thing feels so ridiculous to her. All of those, everybody just has to be really gentle with themselves and with each other going through this, especially if you're talking with other women, because sometimes you might feel like you're doing it wrong. There's just a lot of reactions to this event. And we just have to slow down and just stay with people through it because it's hard no matter what. Yeah. So one of the questions so that was, that came up among our listeners was, how can a woman go about asking for a full disclosure? Yeah. I mean, to me, it seems like the easiest, I guess, if you want to call it the easiest way, is first of all, for her to decide really what she wants out of the disclosure before she starts talking to him about it. And so working with a therapist or even with her support group and getting clear on why do I want to know this? What do I want to know? How will this help me in my healing? How will this help our relationship? I just think there has to be a little bit of preliminary work because what happens is for a lot of women, as you probably know already, is that, you know, when there's a discovery, whether, you know, he brings it to her or he gets caught, there's going to be an impromptu disclosure session on the spot. There's going to be usually questions. Sometimes he may just kind of word vomit everything and overwhelm her. There could be her trying to interrogate and just really just dig in and get tons of details. We've seen it all. And so there's going to be some kind of an impromptu disclosure that really has to be redone correctly if you're going to promote healing. Occasionally, there's some that it's like, okay, fine. And then the couple's like, you know what? She's like, I don't really need to go through this again. Like, I feel like I know what I need to know. Let's move on. And, you know, you have to support that and talk through it. But you need to make sure that she understands what does she need out of this? Because if she's gone through a half-hearted disclosure or she did all the questioning and he just basically was on defense the whole time, or she had a really good experience where he came to her, he had it all laid out. He was super forthright about it all. You know, there can be the whole range of experiences. And so she needs to be able to know, what do I need from this? And it may be a complete redo of everything she's already heard. There may not be one new piece of information, but she may need to have the experience of doing it under better conditions, under therapeutic, supportive conditions. So in terms of asking for that, I guess what I'm trying to say is she needs to be clear on what she's asking for. What does she really want from this? And then just when the time comes, when she's clear on what she wants, which is, you know, I do want a full therapeutic disclosure with the support of a therapist. I want to have my process. I want you to have your process. I want to take the time it needs. Then she can ask really clearly for what that is. Because what she might find is when she says something like, I need a disclosure. And then he's all, okay, what do you want to know? I'll tell you everything right now. Like, let's just talk about it, you know, or let's do it this weekend or I already told you everything, you know? So I think for her to be prepared to really talk through what she's exactly needing so she can hold her ground and say something like, I know a lot of stuff. I don't know what I don't know. And so here's what I need from you specifically. That can be really helpful for both of them. Sometimes it's helpful to do that in, if, if they're working with a therapist to do it with that support. So there can be some backup, some clarification, some education about why this matters. All of those things can, can really help her ask for it in a way that's going to help her really get what she needs from the experience. So what I'm hearing is that you really allow the, the woman, the wife to 
kind of dictate what that disclosure looks like rather than laying out, you need to address all your sexual misbehaviors. You need to address all the lies and the secrets that you kept from your wife. There's not necessarily a set piece of information that you're asking the addict to disclose then. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a great question. It's definitely collaborative. I think as a therapist, I'm working with the couple and suggesting and guiding and giving them examples in the disclosure workbook that I helped co-author. You know, we go through and give categories and areas that need to be looked at. But the wife, I believe, ultimately has the final say of what she wants to hear. Because there may be things that she just, you know, she just says, I don't want to hear that. And we work through, we talk through why or why not and give her a choice because, you know, forcing a disclosure on her of things that she's just clearly has no interest in hearing to me would be a violation. And I don't think that you can put those therapeutic objectives, whatever the therapist or the person with the addiction, whatever they think is best for her. You know, a husband who's been hiding has already decided what he thinks is best for her, right? He's already been deciding, even though we know it's really been best for him in terms of hiding and managing his own emotions. But you know, his take in terms of what he wants to talk to her about, he needs to be prepared to tell everything. And so I'll tell guys like, look, your wife wants to know everything up to this line, but you need to still be able to tell me everything so that you can have the experience of confronting your story, honestly, leaning into your shame, you know, basically sweeping out all the dark corners and making sure that you're totally clear on everything, whether that's for your spiritual process or for your personal just your own psychology, your own shame management, whatever. But in terms of what she gets to hear, I work really closely with the wife or with the wife's therapist. And if I'm not working with her directly and just really trying to understand what she needs out of this experience. Sometimes the wife will want things that, you know, after some talking through, she's like, "Mm, maybe I don't want that. Maybe that's not going to help me. Would you give us a... Probably the most common example of that would be Let's say he had an affair with another woman. It would be something, the details of their sexual escapades. I've worked in some cases where she wanted those details and that was very therapeutic for her because of things that she had experienced in their marriage of things that, you know, he had done or not done in the bedroom with her. And she needed to understand how that fits into her narrative and her story, kind of her experience rather, maybe is a better way to put it, of experiencing and what she's told herself about that and what that meant. And how that ties into that time period when he was unfaithful, right? And so sometimes those details really do matter. And in some cases, it wouldn't help her at all because she may feel like, you know what? I don't want for the rest of my life, if I stay with this guy, to have to be replaying that video in my head of every little detail of what he told me they did together. So you can see in a situation like that, she's got to be really clear about what would be hurtful, what would be helpful to her. And sometimes you can't know until it happens, right? Like we'll get in there and, she may just be like, man, I wish I could unknow that. That's not helpful to me. So we do the best we can with it and just try and give them examples. And it's helpful if you have the disclosure in front of you, if you're working with a a partner to have access to that prior so that you can help guide that. Thank you. That's really helpful. Yeah. So in terms of preparing for a full disclosure, What advice would you give women who are preparing for full disclosure, like in terms of boundaries or anything else that would kind of help them get ready for that process? 
Yeah, it's such a strange thing, isn't it? Because if you're living with the person that's going to be disclosing, it's like you're walking around the elephant in the room. <laughs> it's just, it's so bizarre, right? Because it's like, hi, I'm like, we're interacting, talking about our kids, talking about our lives. How are you doing? Just life is as normal. But we're sitting on top of this giant reality that there's a huge amount of information I don't have right now. And so some women, in, in terms of boundaries, in terms of tolerating that space, because that can be months. That can sometimes, working through the disclosure can be you know, a few months. It's definitely not days. It shouldn't be days. That's too short. Yeah. I'm thinking of like when somebody approaches me and says, I want to start a disclosure, I'm trying to get that thing done in a few months, max, right? Okay. But if it's going on for years and they're still acting out in secrets, then yeah, I mean, that's agonizing. And so maybe that's a bigger boundary discussion, but kind of in the context of planning for a therapeutic disclosure during that time. I think it's really important for her to be clear on what she would need to kind of maintain her emotional balance during that time. She may feel like, you know what? I don't want to have sex with you during that time. Like that feels so vulnerable. I don't know where you've been, what you've done, who I'm having sex with. I don't know that I really want to open up a lot of my internal world or be super vulnerable during this time. So we'll just basically coexist and just be co-parents and function like that. And some just feel like, you know what? No matter what I hear from you, I'm going to stay with you anyway. And I just want to like, you know, live life as normal. I've seen it all. And you really have to, again, give her the chance to talk through and really consciously decide what's going to be the healthiest for her. And that may change, you know, the closer the disclosure gets, she may feel like her plan changes and she wants a little more closeness or a little more space. And we just have to be really aware of and sensitive to and, and accommodating for all the, the emotions that will come up with this. So in terms of preparing for it, as you can tell, like I, I think working closely with a therapist is essential. I think part of the therapeutic disclosure isn't just you know, the environment for him. It's very much for her to have support and to not ignore that. And that will come in the form of having a support system with other women, really emphasizing physical, emotional, spiritual self-care, and just making sure that she is having enough permission and space to ask the questions she needs to ask. I've talked to so many women who feel like, I don't know, there's almost like a limit on how much they can ask. Like, oh, that's too much, you know, or you can't go there. You can't ask those questions, you know, especially things that might be really taboo and, and terrifying. Like, have you, you know, have you looked at child pornography? Have you ever done anything with our children? You know, I mean, there's just questions that come up when a woman doesn't know where the boundaries have been or how far this has gone, or they've, they've heard other stories from other people and they're wondering, is that, you know, my situation. So there's all kinds of things that she'll need to sort through and get clear on in terms of what she wants to bring. And she needs to know that she has a voice in this process. I tell the women that I sit down with in the disclosure before the disclosure, look, you're in the driver's seat here. You absolutely get to have a say about how fast this process goes. If this is dragging on way too long preparing for this and you're like, we need to get this done. He's taking forever. <laughs> Even during the actual disclosure meeting, you know, she may feel like we need to really slow this down. He's like talking way too fast. So she needs to know as part of preparing that she gets to have a voice in this because she's totally not had a voice prior to this. She's had that taken from her through manipulation, through gaslighting, through omission, blame. I mean, you name it. There's so much emotional abuse and control that's going on when there's been secrets 
completely controlling her reality, that this is disclosure is a time for her to regain her voice. And it's also important for him to have a voice in terms of speaking his truth. He needs, that's his voice. He needs to do that finally, right? But in terms of the person who's really been the victim in all of this, she needs to know that her preparation for the disclosure is not only bracing herself for impact and having good support, self-care, you know, a strategy or a plan for what she'll do before, during, and after the disclosure on that day. All those logistics are important, but the overarching message throughout the whole process needs to be that you get to, this is done when you're done asking all the questions you need to ask, that this process is finished when you feel like you've heard what you need to hear. And I've had a lot of women where we finish the disclosure and I'll meet with them alone afterwards. And they say to me, I feel like there's more. I don't feel like we're done. And I'll say, okay, you need to tell that to your husband. And we're going to circle back in a few days and talk about this. And so we'll start it over. And I cannot think, I'm actually right now, as I'm talking to you, thinking through these different situations where that's happened. I cannot think of one time where there wasn't more. So for her to trust her voice, for her to trust her spirit, and like what she feels is off, giving her permission and having him look harder, having him really confront his story. And sometimes it was details that in his mind may have seemed insignificant, but to her were obviously significant enough to readdress them. And then of course, in some other cases, there were major pieces missing that he you know, was still protecting. So she just needs to have that support and that permission from the therapist and ideally from her husband, if he's in, in a healthy place where he can say, I want you to ask me whatever. I'm an open book. We have guys that come in that are totally open and willing and ready to do that. But sometimes they're scared. Sometimes they're not willing to. Sometimes they're going to still protect their secrets to the death. And she'll need to have a, an advocate for her and a therapist or a supporter, somebody who's there with her who can say, you know, keep asking. It's okay. Stay with it. You know, you're feeling something. What are you feeling? She needs to know that, that that's okay. Did I answer your question? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. But I think it kind of also goes along maybe with this question that Janine, you have is, you know, what can go wrong in disclosures, you know, in that maybe not everything is said. And so you're saying that a redo would be effective if the husband is willing to come back and answer all the questions. Is that correct? Like in the situation where you find yourself yeah, like a redo, probably just a continuation of the initial disclosure that happened where you may not get yeah. all in it at one sitting, but as things come to her mind, as she has questions, that process can continue and should continue actually. If there's going to be trust. Yeah, hundred percent. The formal disclosure, you know, obviously is an event that has a start and a stop to it. And, you know, if something comes up in the disclosure that, you know, where she feels like, I feel like there's more to this and he's denying it and she's calling for a second disclosure or new information comes out afterwards, then yeah, we kind of slow it down and, and almost kind of restart the process. I hesitate to say restart only because we're kind of in the middle of it, but go through a lot of those same steps in terms of meeting with him again. And this is really difficult. This is a real setback in many cases for the couple in terms of trust, because how is she supposed to believe if he wouldn't, after all this preparation and he wouldn't put it out in the first meeting, 
what makes her believe he's going to do it now? And it's a lot to ask for a wife to sit through a second disclosure. I've had couples do this and, you know, it's finally like the real disclosure. And there's a very different spirit in the room and a very different energy. And she was willing to give him the grace to give him a second chance to just, you know, this is really the last chance. Like you need to like, and so then he puts it all on the line and there's a very qualitatively different feeling. And she feels like, okay, I feel like he really put it all out there now. And there's other times where it just starts to feel like court. And I tell the the women I work with, I'm like, you know what? No matter what he says, you're going to get a disclosure today. You're going to discover something. You're going to discover whether he's guarded and protecting and cold and defensive and resistant, or you're going to discover that he's completely contrite, countable, humble, that he's devastated by this. You're going to get some kind of a disclosure that reveals the truth about what's really going on here. And so a second disclosure, yes, couples can survive that, but you got to really slow it down and, you know, therapeutically and say, all right, are you ready to go through this again? What do you need? You know, there's just a lot of questions and it really raises the stakes quite a bit. Second and third disclosures are very, I would say they're rare, at least if you do a lot of prep work at the beginning and give it enough time. In my experience, the times that I've had second and third disclosures, I've only had a couple of third disclosures, by the way, it's very rare. But the second disclosure I've had have have sometimes been because we rushed the process a little too much. We didn't give it enough time or he just flat out wasn't willing to tell the truth. And so, you know, now to your other question, Janine, about disclosures sort of like after the fact, right? Like I agree that there's no expiration date on her ability to ask questions about all of this stuff. She needs to be able to know that long-term she can keep asking questions as long as she needs to, that she has the ability to circle back if something just doesn't seem right. And that could be months later, it could be a year later for her to say, you know, I know you talked about this in your disclosure, but I've just had this thought or I just discovered this piece and I just need, we need to revisit that. A guy that's in good solid recovery, you know, he'll go there with her and there won't be this drama of, Hey, you know, we closed that book. We've already done disclosure. It'll be met with a spirit of like, yeah, like, let's look at that. Because let's be honest, right? Like somebody, in many cases, some guy that's been compartmentalizing and hiding and lying to himself and others for a lot of years, there is a chance there might be some detail or something in there that he minimized enough to where he didn't think it was a big enough deal or had just completely you know, cut off from his conscious awareness. Like I, the mind is crazy powerful and and there's all kinds of possibilities there. So I just tell guys, look, don't put an expiration date on this disclosure. Stay open. If you in your recovery process, remember something or discover something or hear somebody else say something and you're like, oh my gosh, I did that too. You know, there's just some sort of recognition or, or awareness, then they need to be the one to bring it to her and facilitate that new information. And she needs to recognize if he's going to bring this to me, this is obviously going to be difficult. And she'll have to really look at closely, is this something he's doing to keep hiding and, and denying and trying to like, is he in is he in recovery? Is he bringing this as part of his healing? Or I mean, chances are if he's bringing it to her, it's probably part of his healing. But you know, if she discovers it, or she has to pull it out of him or whatever, 
then there's probably not a very good recovery going on for him if she's having to battle for the truth post-disclosure. But couples where there's discussions or new things come up or a new awareness has come up and he's the one initiating it, he's discovering it, he's aware of it, however big or small it may seem, those are actually good signs that there's some additional healing going on there. And I've rarely seen those backfire. In fact, I tell guys, look, if you're the one that comes forward with it, you know, sort of the method is the message, right? Like you coming forward with it is an evidence of your refusal to stay in the dark and to keep controlling and manipulating. As terrifying as it might be to have to bring this up again, you know, as they say, it's the cover up, not the crime. So there's a lot more pain in being manipulated and lied to than, you know, making mistakes or just being a human, right? Like, I think a lot of women can tolerate a guy that is battling an addiction or struggling, but is trying to work really hard to not manipulate her reality. I'm not saying that that's easy, but I think if you ever had to sort of set up a choice, I think most women would rather be completely in control of the truth and reality than to be manipulated. That's just really, really cruel and hard to tolerate. Yeah, for sure. Time frame. You had mentioned in preparation for a disclosure, kind of throughout a few months, or I, just realistically, what is the time frame that a woman should expect to prepare for this? Or realistically, what's the time frame? How long does it take to kind of prepare for that disclosure from a spouse's perspective? Like my husband, how long would it take him to prepare for a disclosure? Yeah, it's kind of typical. In my practice, it's been two to four months. That's been the average. You know, longer than that, there's either a really, really messy history or they're a lot older. And so they, and they've just had so many more years to, of things to have to remember and sort through. But in most cases, if they're meeting regularly with a therapist and then working really hard outside of session, that's the key right there is for them to really put in the time outside of session. If they're only working on their disclosure in a 45, 50 minute therapy session, it's going to take forever and it's not going to be a very good disclosure. It's really about them having the courage to sit down in their own space and really pray for the truth to be revealed, to see things as they really are, to really kind of enter that really sacred, private, personal space of like looking at their own story and having that and facing themselves alone. They, they need to do that work alone. And that will take much longer than a session to do that. And so if they're doing that kind of work between sessions and using the session as a place to bring their work in. And if I have guys that, you know, come in with their disclosures and they say, Hey, here's what I've written. And, and then I can walk through it with them and I can ask questions and I can clarify and, and even challenge or, you know, really help them tell their story in a really honest, clear way. We can get that done in, in easily within two to four months. And that's sometimes, you know, meeting every other week or, you know, it's not like we're in therapy every day doing this. It's, you know, once a week, once every couple of weeks, giving them time and space in between. And one thing you don't want to rush this, and this is not about just using all that time to have tons of therapy. It's about using that time to allow time to work its process, which is, I look at it like when you start opening the doors to the mind and the heart and, and the spirit, and you start really trying to enter into this commitment to truth and honesty and reality. It starts a chain reaction of memories and experiences that need to bubble to the surface. And if you just rush that, you know, you lose that process, that time. And so you want to give it enough time to allow that natural sorting and, and sifting to happen. 
and I, you know, I'm just like anybody else. I, I certainly don't want to put this off or it's a lot to ask for a woman to sit around and wait for a disclosure. That's just torture for a lot of women. I just can't even imagine. I've never had anybody like where I needed to wait for somebody to tell me something that could totally destroy my life. I don't know what that would be like. And so I know just watching the women we've worked with to ask them to do that, it's just, it's agonizing. So there's been a temptation to rush that process just to sort of spare her. But I have to tell the women, you really only want to have to do this once. And so let's slow it down and let's be as thorough as possible and really trust that space and that time so that the truth can come out and that he has plenty of opportunities. And you know, and he knows that there has been ample support and time for everything to come out. And then if there's still a desire to protect and hide secrets after that, that's good information for her to understand about this situation. She needs to know that in all this time and space and trust that she's giving him to do the process, you know, he took advantage of that and still wanted to hide. That can be really hard to overcome for a wife if he fights it. So it can work both directions, right? It can open up more healing or it can really reveal what his intentions are. Thank you, Jeff. We really appreciate that. So this is where we're going to end this episode, but stay tuned for the next episode when we finish up the second half of the interview with Jeff. And again, we are so thankful to Jeff for taking the time to come on to share his understanding, his knowledge, his expertise, and just his compassion. And we are just so incredibly grateful for his knowledge and his help in this area. So Thank you again, Jeff. If you want to find more information about Jeff and his work, you can go to lovingmarriage.com and find all the resources that he has listed there. And you can also check him out on his podcast, which is the Illuminate podcast. So again, thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Okay, that wraps up episode one of the Therapeutic Disclosure Discussion. And I highly encourage you to go check out the Worth Group podcast. You can find them wherever all podcasts are featured. And I just appreciate Janine and Naomi for being such great hosts. And tune in next episode where we finish our interview in part two on therapeutic disclosure. As always, thank you for supporting the Illuminate podcast. I always appreciate your comments and your feedback. And I look forward to being with you next time.